This is Archive Atlanta, episode 57, Ward System. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey guys, happy Friday. A few housekeeping items that I want to mention on the front end this week. First, I have partnered with Bicycle Tours of Atlanta to create an Archive Atlanta bike tour. Talked about this a few episodes ago, but this means that we can cover a lot of ground via bicycle. There are electric bikes also available for Atlanta's hills that might scare people. Um, And we're going to be able to see the places that I talk about in each episode in real life. I am super excited about this, and it's happening on Saturday, November 23rd at 2 p.m. There is a link in the show notes with information on how to sign up. Second, and I usually leave this for the end of each episode, but I want to make sure that everyone knows Archive Atlanta has a Patreon page where for just $1 a month, you get two bonus episodes with more Atlanta history. These are mini versions, so they're about 10 minutes or less, but I love them just as much. And it kind of kills me that I can't share them with everyone. Um, This money helps keep the hosting site paid for and it helps me save for better equipment so that I can do more things. Um, But this week, especially, I'm doing an episode about um, a duel and a murder at the Capitol. And I just want everybody to hear it. Now back to this week's episode. Many times in this podcast, I talk about Atlanta with an assumption that you, the listener, already have a basic understanding. And I know that that's not the best method, but sometimes it's hard for me to realize that what I, in my history nerd glory, thinks everyone knows, they may not. And this led to this week. Being that the Old Fourth Ward is probably the trendiest neighborhood right now, I assume that most of the thousand people who stroll down the Beltline or hang out in the Old Fourth Ward don't really have a clue about how this name came about. So today we're covering the other wards, the expansion of the ward system, and honestly, what a ward even was. To begin, we have to go back to the founding of this little railroad outpost. In 1836, the Georgia General Assembly voted to build the Western and Atlantic Railroad, which would connect the port of Savannah with the Midwestern portion of the United States. Instead of one straight rail going from there to the coast, the idea was to run the tracks from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to a location east of the Chattahoochee River, which would then connect to a railroad to Macon. Macon already had its own line direct to Savannah, so, you know, there you go. Nice big line. An engineer was sent to choose the best spot for this terminated line, and he happened to pick this random place in the middle of Georgia. By 1836, the Muscogee had ceded their land over several treaties, and the Trail of Tears had already taken place. So what you're left with is 202.5 acre lots being farmed by white men. The engineer hammers a stake in the ground just west of the landlot of Hardy Ivy, the pioneer settler of what we now call Atlanta. He would only live six more years after that moment, and I always think about that. He never got to know what his land would become. Around this railroad end stop, a settlement emerges, and it's called Terminus. I spoke about this in my episode about Castleberry Hill, but this was definitely a rough-and-tumble railroad outpost. Much more Wild West than Southern Charm. By 1843, Terminus was incorporated as a city, and it was named after Governor Lumpkin's daughter, Martha. Marthasville had just 20 families living in it, and although they had a post office and a postmaster, that's kind of the extent of their government. The men in charge actually couldn't collect taxes because the families just sort of took this whole city thing as a joke, which really made me laugh to read that. I mean, they would they were like, hey, you know, city taxes, and everyone's like, no, no thanks. 
Marthasville would not exist for very long, as Atlanta is named in 1847. So here we are. The city of Atlanta is born, and its radius spans one mile in a circle, with the center being the zero-mile marker. And the zero-mile marker is the name for that post that the engineer hammered into the ground. At this point, the marker lives um, in what is now beneath the Central Avenue Bridge, so Alabama streets, um, just kind of like the middle of downtown Atlanta. Side note, the actual historical artifact now lives in the Atlanta History Center, but don't ask a preservationist how they feel about that unless you have a lot of time to spare. So this baby city only covers about three square miles and only about 2,000 acres. The first thing you have to do when forming a city is create a government and how this government would be structured. So the charter documents from the forming of Atlanta are online, and they are amazing to read through. I'm going to try to add a link to the document for you guys, um, but this is all the different charters added together in one large document, and the notes are so detailed. Um, what the positions are going to be, what their salaries are going to be, who's going to collect the taxes. There's even a section called, quote, billiard tables and 10-pin alleys, end quote. It described how they were going to deal with fire safety, whether to allow hogs on the streets, and a whole section on, quote, good order and morals, end quote. The earliest city charter is from 1848, and it only specifies six citywide council members for this very small radius. There are about 200 ineligible voters, um, all white men, and they vote to elect the first city council members, who were a merchant, physician, cotton dealer, and a lawyer, among a few others. The first city council meeting was held at the store of Jonas Smith, and for the next six years or so, the city is churning along and growing. With a boom between 1850 and 1855, where Atlanta's population almost triples. So the city spreads out and it decides to switch to the ward system. In the United States, a ward is a division of a city or town, usually for the purposes of electing representatives. The idea here is that you get more direct representation. So think about the mayor of a large city. It's hard for them to take the needs of every single neighborhood into consideration. So if you have an elected official or two directly from your tiny small section of the city, you have this person to advocate for community needs. On January 9th, 1854, an ordinance creates five wards and it coincides with the building of Atlanta's first city halls. We're getting to be a real legitimate city here, people. The very first city hall building was actually on the grounds of where the state capitol is now, and it was land owned by Richard Peters from episode 43. The idea was to have two council members elected from each ward and then be able to meet in city hall. In today's episode, I'm going to do something I can't believe I have the audacity to do. And that is explain geographical locations. <laughs> if you're a new listener here, I have previously discussed my lack of direction and how I can get lost in a paper bag. But regardless, I'm going to do my best. There is a historic map of these first five wards with their corresponding colors. So I will put that link in the show notes and on Facebook and Instagram. If you look at this map, the first ward is marked in yellow. It covers the piece of the pie that is west of the railroad um, and right along Whitehall Street, which is now most of Patriot Street. Think of today's South Downtown and a little bit of Castleberry Hill. The description of that ward um, at that time was that the northern and western parts had industry and working class citizens, mostly railroad workers, um, but that the east was home to some of the city's wealthiest citizens like Richard Peters. Generally, the wealthier people at this time are living in the city center. The second ward, marked in red, is south of the main railroad. And if you're thinking of the city as a clock face, um, this is next in line after the first ward, except you're going counterclockwise. This is the area of downtown and sort of into the beginning of Summer Hill. 
1854, this was described as a wealthy section where most of the city's wholesalers, warehousers, grocers, and hotels were located. The third ward is marked in green, and it is next in the counterclockwise line, and it includes the new city hall, uh, mills, and then large estates like LP Grants. So we're talking about modern day state capital and then into Grand Park. The fourth ward is labeled as blue and north of the railroad. It contains what is described as the two roughest sections of town, the red light district of Decatur Street, Murals Row, and Slab Town, which was a shanty town. So, and the fourth ward is also really fascinating because Atlanta did not have a large um, population of free people of color before the war. I think there's only about 18 of them. But just the fourth ward in general was the most racially diverse neighborhood in the city, pretty much from its inception. Now, the fifth ward is purple and it contains the large Peachtree Street mansions um, and then a little bit of fairly poplar. By 1866, 19 years after its birth, the city has its first growth spurt. And it's a tiny one. City limits expand one half mile extra in each direction. Five years after that, our first big population growth occurred. In 1871, you have the first horse-drawn streetcar. I think I talked about that in Reynolds Town. Um, but that's fueling expansion from the city center because all of a sudden you don't just have to either own a horse and carriage or walk. You're able to get on some kind of trolley line that will take you. Um, they also just built a new union station so for incoming trains. So, you know, we're growing. The city decides to incorporate this growth by going from five wards to seven. The new sixth ward took the original first ward and it split into two. And I'll let you guess what the criteria was for splitting. The wealthy stayed in the northern portion and the working class were given two councilmen in their own southern portion. The seventh ward took parts of both the fifth and the sixth. So in its final form, it would actually move more red light district into the fourth ward, and they would create another ward of farmers to the west and then fine um, houses and residences to the east. So I just want to take a moment to let that sink in, because people don't seem to think that structural racism or classism is a thing. But not only is it real, if you study history, it's right in front of your face. The establishment of neighborhoods, roads, interstates, and public transportation in Atlanta have so much more to do with race and class than you realize. Um, and I hope that this is just kind of one of the first of many episodes that I can bring attention to this. Now, these seven wards wouldn't last very long, as in 1874, a new city charter reduces them back to five. And they change things up just a little bit. So they keep the two councilmen from each ward but they add a second governing body of three aldermen who would serve at large, meaning they would serve the entire city. And the term for each alderman would be one year. Fast forward to 1883, we get another new sixth ward um, out of a portion of the fourth and the fifth. And its sole purpose was to separate the wealthy Peachtree Street Corridor from the rest of North Atlanta. North Atlanta at that time meant something much different than now. Um, they were talking about parts of Midtown, Georgia Tech, and English Avenue, which were pretty much working class or just rural. It was not until 1889 that city limits are expanded again. So this time we're going a whole one and three quarter miles away from the Union Depot train station. This year also sees the inclusion of the southern portion of now Midtown right about to 6th Street. Five years later, the city brings in the West End and it gets its own ward, the 7th. And then by 1904, it includes the rest of Midtown and Piedmont Park. I talked about this in the Piedmont Park episode because this expansion up to incorporate the park was mainly just for that purpose. So um, the people who own Piedmont Park, 
you know, didn't want it or sold it. And the city is like, well, you know, I guess we can draw our borders up around here. In 1905, the Eighth Ward is added, which determines the boundaries of Atlanta to stretch from 6th Street at West Peachtree all the way up to 15th Street and east to Piedmont Avenue. Four years later, the Ninth Ward was formed from Copen Hill, Edgewood, Reynolds Town, and East Atlanta. Interesting fact about Edgewood. First of all, no one realizes that Edgewood is a neighborhood and not just a street. And no, the street is not in the neighborhood. But what's fascinating about Edgewood, the neighborhood, is that it had its own city government before being annexed. So I really hope to tell that story in the future. In the first decade of the 20th century, the city just continues expanding. It's swallowing up Ansley Park, Georgia Tech, Washington Park, Mosley Park, Westview, the list goes on. In the 1920s, we get Kirkwood, Morningside, Virginia Highland, East Lake, and Ormwood Park. The next big shift in city government would come in 1935, when the legislature reduces the wards from 13 down to 6, and they cut the 39 city council members down to 18. All of those changes were set to begin in 1937. In 1951-52, the largest expansion of Atlanta occurs with the annexation of 51,470 acres, made up from Buckhead, Adams Park, Southwest Atlanta, and Lakewood. This would triple the size of the city proper, and it would add 100,000 residents, mostly white and mainly affluent. I talked about this again briefly at the end of the Buckhead episode, but this annexation was the triumph of Mayor Hartsfield's career. He was able to bring Atlanta's African-American population from 41% down to 33%, which in his eyes was considered a win. And then what happened is adding in the wealthier tax base was also able to provide more services that they could spread um, across the city. In the 1970s, they would try this same tactic with Sandy Springs, but I'm sure we all realize that the annexation attempt failed because Sandy Springs is its own city. Now, this is not to say the city has stopped expanding from them, but there's just really been nothing, no big stories, very, very small incremental ways um, only in certain years, except up until 2018. Last year, the city of Atlanta voted to include the Emory University CDC area into the city limits of Atlanta. Atlanta's ward system would lose almost all its power in 1954. In that year, the city moves to just six aldermen positions, but each post was citywide. So that kind of takes all the power away. Then about 20 years later, 1973, a new charter passes, which shifts Atlanta to a district system, which is pretty much what we still have today. What's fascinating that I read is that this shift was actually the brainchild of Grace Towns Hamilton um, because she thought it would equitably represent the changing racial makeup of the city. So she was a black woman, and this is about the exact same time that Atlanta elects its first black mayor, Maynard Jackson. So there you have it, the story of Atlanta's birth, early formation, and the ward system that governed it for the first hundred years or so. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I truly appreciate each and every person who downloads the episodes, who write me messages, who nerd out with me about history, and who want to share these stories with others. I was just telling someone today that the best part about this journey has been the listeners, meeting them and learning them about their connections and their histories with the city. Hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll see you next week.